Urologist Malcolm Byron. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, greetings. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning, January 3rd, 2023. He said for the first time on the air. Uh, welcome in. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us over this uh, last week uh, between the holidays as we wrapped up 2022 and we're able to take some time off as a uh, as a group and uh, refresh ourselves, uh, wrap up the old year, begin the new year, and uh, get it going full strength here for 2023. So we appreciate that, and we are back. Uh, glad to have you with us. Got a busy show for you today. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, going to join us. Uh, Jason Ball uh, and Bruce Bohr from uh, the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce are going to uh, going to come in at 8.10. Both of those conversations will largely focus around the legislative session that is ahead in uh, the state of Nebraska with Unicam. Uh, John Baylor is going to join us at 8.35. So we've got a very busy morning. Uh, let's start with, uh, there's a a lot to get to here at the beginning. Let's start with the uh, the weather situation, which hopefully, knock on wood, Lincoln continues uh, to be sort of on the edge of the things that are going to be real challenging in terms of travel and conditions. Mark, what should we expect here for the listening area today? The dome's alive and well. Uh, thank goodness. Thank so, goodness. We're like the the edge of yeah, yeah of of, right of what is uh, north of us to the for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Now we could we could see this switch over to uh, temperatures are expected to drop as the day progresses. So by late afternoon, uh, the latest forecast anyway, Malcolm Byron and the crew at Channel Eight pretty much agreed by the National Weather Service will be down in the mid to upper twenties. Now, if the precipitation continues in any form at that point, we could have some slick streets, especially for the afternoon commute. But right now we're thirty four, thirty three degrees, depending on where you are in the city. Uh, we've had rain overnight, much needed. That fog and mist that could become frizzle, you know, freezing drizzle or yep. freezing fog and and that kind of stuff. So we're right on that line. But boy, to the north and west, uh, they had over a foot up in Valentine as of last My night. My goodness. So um, and and more expected up along that South Dakota Nebraska yep. border and, here. And between the here and day. there is where the ice storm warning yeah. is, and that's going to be the that uh, that of course is is the one that just really messes everything. Up. Right, right. So uh, could see some precip and the potential for it to get a little bit more slick. Really, really locks in as Mark was saying because uh, I've got it here. Drop below freezing at about noon, and then into really the mid twenties by the afternoon drive. Um, and, and that's probably the time that you might you have your travel most impacted locally. It's, it's just going to depend on whether any more moisture can be squeezed out at that time or whether it's pretty much moved off to the north and uh, east yeah. by that time. The precipitation potential is at under 50% yeah, for it, the entire, you know, the entire time. Doesn't mean we won't get any, but it's not necessarily likely at any particular yeah. time. And then the other thing is the winds are going to uh, kick up pretty significantly a little bit here later in Northwest the day. Northwest up to 30. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, yep. And and that winter weather advisory is in effect for our area till 6 tonight. Ice storm warning, winter storm advisory, winter storm warnings off to the north and east. Right. There's some places in Iowa that are just going to be a mess. Yeah. 
Absolutely, and yeah. it's it, it, and it's not obviously going to be the uh, boy the Arctic cold temperatures obviously that we've had for a couple of days, but the next few days probably won't be great with winds, cloudy skies uh, in the in the twenties, maybe low thirties most of the time. Looks like by about Thursday afternoon we get there, sun will come back out, winds will die down a little bit before we get a little bit nicer here going into the weekend. And uh, as of right now, I mean, if you want a little good news on this thing, or at least as I see it, good news is you go out for whole first half of january right now mark and you're looking at generally above above average temperatures um in the uh in in much of the eastern half of the state uh going forward so bomb cyclone hitting the west coast again and these these what they call training storms they're just more and more uh whether i talked to my sister down in phoenix uh, yesterday she said they've had a lot of rain in Phoenix. In Phoenix. Wow. So uh, I read one story yesterday. There's a one reservoir in Arizona that's at its highest level since like 2013. So wow. Getting some much needed rain there. Um, all right. Um, and then and then last night, um, man, uh, a night where where at least I had kind of expected to uh, to be watching a really good football game. Uh, that was on after a day of watching college bowls, and I was actually away from away from the TV, and I got a text that said, "Are you watching this right now?" And I said, "No." What what happened? Um, and of course, they let me know that uh, that a player had had collapsed on the field, was given CPR. That player was Demar Hamlin, a, a Buffalo Bills safety. Uh, if if you somehow missed this last night, basically was you know playing on on Buffalo's defense, makes a tackle, gets up, uh, and then collapses. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they got to got there to give him medical attention, they found out something was unusually wrong with him at that point, and shortly thereafter began began CPR measures, um, and took him off the field. Obviously, an incredibly upsetting traumatic situation on the field for anybody watching but the players especially who are watching all of this they ended up halting the game obviously no you know it doesn't seem particularly important right now what happens with the game so not sure what they'll do with that but they did transport him to a hospital in Cincinnati last night uh, late last night or I guess it was early this morning the Buffalo Bills put out a statement that said DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals his heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC that's University of Cincinnati Medical Center for further testing and treatment he is currently sedated and listed in critical condition uh so that's the latest there i had turned to the game what must have been two minutes after it happened because i turned it on and all of a sudden there's just all the guys are in the middle of the field i'm like what is what is happening so then i'm trying to listen for updates and then of course i I go to twitter i'm like well if something happened there's a video somewhere and i watch the play and i go I still haven't seen the play, I, by I've the seen, way. It's nothing bad. It is, it is the most, and that's sometimes what it is. When things look really bad, they're, they're not as bad. But sometimes when things, you're just like, that was just a normal tackle. Um, and it looked like as he made the tackle, it was a Cincinnati Bengals uh, player helmet hit him in the chest. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like anything egregious, anything that looked that you're not going to see a hundred times every time you watch a football game. Right. And he gets up, and I was like, okay, that's not so bad. But then the whole body got wobbly, and he collapsed out on the field, and he went, okay, that's not good. Yeah. And so 
They were there. It took about an hour before the NFL officially postponed the, postponed the game. They, they'd they already suspended it. We're trying to figure out the best path forward, talk with the players, talk with the Players Association, uh, the teams involved. The crowd there stayed on hand. Like that, that. That's the other thing. You had tens of thousands of people just in that mm-hmm. stadium sitting mm-hmm. and, and waiting to see if, if anything was going to come about. Um the last week of the regular season, this is the part that doesn't matter, but just, just as where things stand, this is the last part of the regular season. The last week is coming up this next weekend. So the, to me, there's not a high likelihood of that game being made up. Probably just going to end as a no contest. Yeah, um, That yeah. wouldn't affect any of the playoff stuff, would it? Yeah, it might affect a seating well, here or there, but not, but not they're, really. They're both yeah, teams. Yeah, they're both in. Well, regardless, right. regardless. Um, you you wonder and you wonder i think the the critical time is how long uh did it take between when he went into cardiac arrest right. and when they were able to basically get his heart going again on the field it's it's i mean people who are familiar with these situations mm-hmm. unfortunately know that those are the time when there's some serious damage done and brain damage done that go along with that and you don't hear about cpr in the middle of a football field like not that, usually, that's that, no. that's not a very usual thing. First, uh, no, but you do have trained per- medical personnel. Oh, oh it's the oh, best yeah. place. Oh, yeah. It's oh. probably the best place. I mean, it could have happened. They yeah. they were on the spot. Yes. You had the ambulance out there. Once they did get, uh, I think they used an AED. They had oxygen for him right there. Yeah. Once he was no, into the ambulance, yeah. They he, and then to be he that was close. taken care of. It was just what was it? By the time they got there, was it forty five seconds? Was right. it ninety seconds? Right, because you think he just. I mean, like you said, a football game, you think he just, who knows, got hurt, mm-hmm. a little woozy, who knows. And so you're not necessarily rushing out there thinking that seconds are going to matter right. for his life yeah. at that point. And, and of course, you realize that at some point, but that's the part that you wonder about right now. Um, and, yeah, just to, man, it was, it was you know, I obviously didn't know who he was uh, prior to, Prior to that moment, I probably had heard his name before. I went to college at Pittsburgh, um, but that was man, that was a traumatic. That was just a traumatic night to watch that all unfold. And I think, especially probably for you know, just watching those players react as CPR was being performed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever been in that situation, um, you, I mean, you just know being a part of that or seeing it. It is an incredibly. It's you can't even explain how traumatic it is. Um, without having actually gone through that and all of those players i think probably first time for a lot of them that 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 had happened and um yeah so just, Here, here's uh, one thing is that 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 young man who's 24 years old i think he is yeah um when he was at Pitt and he's done this he had a shoe drive and they have a GoFundMe for it, and it was at five thousand dollars at the start of the night. Right. Well, he, I think the goal was something like twenty five hundred dollars. People started sharing it. Do you know where it is this morning? Well, I heard last night it was near a million. Three point two million dollars right now. As fans find a way to, we're we're all a little helpless in wanting the best for this. People so you put out your thoughts something. and prayers, but but something that was very important is very important to to yeah. to the young man. They, the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. If you search that on GoFundMe, right. pe- it's $5, it's $50. People are going through making donations, finding a way to to try to push some positivity towards mm-hmm. this. Um, the, I, I did read that it was, it was 15 minutes between when he collapsed to when he was taken off yes. the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, hopefully they were able to 
to restart his heart very quickly with the CPR uh, process. And and it's probably a good time to mention if you've got the opportunity um, or have considered it or would be able to it um, to to be familiar with how to perform CPR. It saves so many lives, and, and hopefully that'll be the case here. Um, but it's, man, yeah. And, and if you haven't, if it's been a while, Mark, I learned CPR when I was in middle school and junior high and they've completely changed, you know, the way that you do it now. But I unfortunately had a situation where I was trying to go back and remember how to do it. And, um, and it, it's a, it's a good thing to be updated on in those situations. So, and, um, something that's, that's possible to do and anybody can do if they have the know-how. Uh, in terms of how to do it. Uh, all right, um, Mark. Other uh, anything uh, else in the uh, in the local news we need to well, touch we on here? Did we have uh, two men injured? Uh, they were shot uh, early th- uh, New Year's morning at three over thirtieth and Vine. Uh, both survived. One still uh, in critical but stable condition. The other was seen and released. Uh, Lincoln Police did make an arrest Sunday late afternoon. Thirty-six-year-old uh, Frederick Gooch is in jail. Uh, he's charged with that, but that was evidently at a party where things got out of hand. Yeah. So, otherwise, uh, fairly quiet over yeah. the, the holiday weekend. And we kick off with all the beginnings of a new year. Uh, as I said earlier, we'll talk uh, a little bit today with a couple of our guests about the legislative session that is going to get going soon uh, in terms of other government and politics stuff. You've got the drama we're going to touch on here in the sound off here in a bit about the uh, the House Speaker vote or many House Speaker votes that might be coming today. You've got you've got that going. And over uh, on the Senate side this afternoon at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central, is going to be Senator Sass's farewell speech on the floor of the Senate. Okay. He is, uh, he's going to be on our show tomorrow. Good. He's going to come on tomorrow. It's been a little while, but he apparently wanted what, to say, say his him? goodbyes. 8.10 tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, Senator, soon to be former Senator. Ben I Sass. think his uh, resignation is effective tomorrow, isn't it? Uh, I think that could be right. I think, that's, I think that could be right. So we'll uh, we'll talk to him a little bit tomorrow uh, as well, and then uh, hopefully everybody. I know it's it's been a while. It's been Jimmy Christmas. It's been since what December twenty third since we've talked to you all. So Christmas and <laughs> and New Year have uh, have have passed, and uh, the weather concerns we were dealing with as we led into Christmas. Hopefully, everyone got where they were going. If they got there, we our trip was delayed a week to uh, to visit the in laws in Iowa. So we we're just getting back from that now. That was supposed to be Christmas. That ended up being New Year's, which is a lot better a lot better weather situation for us to travel in. And so I had a chance. We were scheduled to, to be on Southwest on Christmas afternoon. So oh we, my good! We ended up uh, canceling those and just driving. Wow. Oh my goodness. So, How far? Where were you? At uh, Dallas. Oh jeez. That didn't sound like that was going well. <laughs> my uh, goodness. It's nine and a half hours, but <laughs> driving in, in the nine and a half hours was probably less time than it would have mm-hmm. taken. Well, we wouldn't have got there. Yeah, you probably wouldn't have gotten there so, at all. So So yeah, that uh that was our yeah. um Christmas uh afternoon. We went down to Beatrice. Yeah. So I so we, I, we went through Beatrice. We we tried out we tried out the new South Beltway. So did oh, we. did you? Okay. I still haven't been on it. Here's the thing. South 68th to here, 77 here, South. No, no, no. Here's the thing. So we went through town because we didn't go up to 68. I got on the new South Beltway by accident, guys. <laughs> really? And and here's the thing for anyone who's been on there. So as you're going, I was going down 77 and you 
you need to stay on the right if you want to stay on 77 going yeah. south. <laughs> That's a so lot. I stayed in the left because... And you went over the big bridge. Normal, you know? Yep. So I end up, I go, well, we're trying out this new belt. It is like seven miles to get to the next exit to yeah, turn Yeah, because they're all closed, right? Yeah, 68th Street's the next... Is the so you went from se- you had to go from 77 all the way up east to 68th, right? I was supposed to, yes. Oh, you did. Sir, sir, you sir wait, wait, well, 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 let, let's all wait. Was I supposed to? Yes. Was I in a hurry and wanted to see my grandparents and my daughter to play with her cousins? Also, yes. Did I see no cars around? Absolutely. Did I see a little, hey, no U-turn sign? Bet your bottom dollar I did. Did I do it? Heck yeah. You know, as soon as I did it, did I see a vehicle coming behind me? Sure did. <laughs> Guess who made that U-turn and just pulled over to the shoulder? Oh, no! <laughs> First words, bad timing, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, no! So not only have I been oh. on the new You didn't really say bad timing, did yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you helped pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no. I was hoping he was going to say, hey, happy new year. Get on out of here, kid. <laughs> nope. He did not. He did not. <laughs> oh. Oh, was it a was it a was it a big one? No, it it wasn't bad. He was super nice. Okay, Millie had a fun time. She was like, "Why are we stopped? We, we don't stop on the road, did he?" <laughs> Look at that! Your first time, your first time on it. it was yeah, a double first. <laughs> your first time on it. Again, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oh my gosh! Here's the thing. With all of that, with being stopped. I cut off 15 minutes from going up and turning around. (laughs) I looked at the GPS from before I made that turn to after we left the cop. How long were you there with the cop? Even even counting the stop? Yeah, including the stop. They were efficient. Our our ETA was was shortened. (laughs) Congrats. Don't don't recommend doing. Don't break the law. But by the way, did you see that? Yankee Hill opened while we yeah. were yeah 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 Debbie's uh, gonna be Debbie's happy. gonna be real happy here in 2023. All right, we'll grab a break. That's a heck of a story. It's uh, 6:26. I wondered if you were gonna tell that story and just be like, "Yep, I did it. I broke the law." <laughs> <laughs> Can't get me now. It's like, should you be saying this? All right, it's 6:26. <laughs> it's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Love KLIN? Tell us why with a voice message in the free KLIN app. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln, and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. 
Well, by the way, I remiss the first half. I should wish uh, good luck to everybody who does make resolutions, uh, sticking with what they're trying to do here. Uh, Like many other people, uh, my strong hope this year is to leave 2023 a little smaller than I came in, actually a lot smaller than I came in. So for those of you going through that battle, best of luck you're not the uh you're far from the only person who is doing that that's going to be a big focus for me and so um yeah it's uh (laughs) here we go here we go ready for uh ready for all the the challenges and hopefully good results of a of a new year with all of those things whatever whatever that it might be for all of you by the way before we get into the sound off I will tell you what, I don't know if, I, I know I'm. there are people listening who were there yesterday just because of the sheer amount of people there, but for whatever reason, that when when Christmas and New Year's, and New Year's falls on a Sunday, and then Monday is kind of a day that a lot of people have off work, mm-hmm. New Year's recognized, but businesses are generally open for the most part, as in retail businesses and those sorts of things. Um, and it not being bad weather that creates a um, that creates a complete you know what storm um, <laughs> it at retail places on that Monday for I I don't I I mean I guess it's just the combination of it of it being the time you're, you're getting ready for a new year you've got returns uh, or Christmas money to spend. Um, it's you know you're kind of done with the family holiday stuff, but you still have a day off. All of those things everywhere yesterday. My my daughter and I decided you know like everybody else we were going to go out and run some errands and and get groceries and go to a number of stores and just get some stuff done that we needed to. <laughs> Guys, yesterday and it was probably like this at several places, but one in particular. The Costco in Lincoln yesterday was like nothing I have ever seen in my life. Costco folks are crazy. You you guys all are, especially coming off of a holiday. I've been to Costco plenty of times. It was, it was, you know, the the grocery store on the night before Thanksgiving or, you know, back when Black Friday mornings were insane at Walmart in Target. It was both of those things combined and then some. Mm Mm-hmm. The line, if you've ever been in the Lincoln Costco, they they line people up down one of the aisles to go through, I don't even know, I think there's one lane that goes into the employee checkout and one that goes to the self-checkout. Yeah. And we had we had actually, we had gone in because I had to get a new card because my lovely dog chewed my card up. And so, <laughs> and then my daughter and I were just going to grab like two or three things. She, you know, get her the, the packs of goldfish that she eats, and right. we, probably, we need coffee, and we need a couple of things that we typically get there. And we got a cart, and we started loading it, load them up. We we're just going to buy like three things. I saw the line that stretched back to if you've ever been there, it stretched back to the freezer section. <laughs> that may mean nothing to you if you've been there, but if you've been there, it trust me. It's the longest line that you've ever seen in retail. Okay, well, what's a store that has the freezer section anywhere near the checkout? It's no, it's not like, at it, all. It just, imagine it's not literally at all. any store. I have no, I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> and and it wasn't like and it wasn't like people just with two or three things. It was just carts full of stuff. 
I, mean, I think everybody was, you know, maybe they were like me. They're they're getting ready to start a new uh, eating routine or something, and they were going to get all their food that they needed to make, or I don't know what it or is. Or they just but, said, all right, hey, let's get through this weekend. We'll get it Monday. And I said to my daughter, I was like, we are not doing this. <laughs> we are not doing this. So we went back, put everything back where we got it. Not that committed brought to the, the, cart out, the, the coffee and cold Brought fish. the cart out the front door <laughs> and just drove away with our new cart and nothing else. It wasn't... As bad at the, you know, everywhere else I went, but it wasn't good either. It was the, man, it was a busy shopping day <laughs> yesterday. So uh, if you were out and encountering it, I, uh, I hope you made it through uh, after after all that. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's get into our sound off today. Uh, so uh, speaker vote in the House of Representatives today. Evidently, it's just kind of a... Kind of interesting deal. So they're they're going to keep voting until they you know until they get somebody. But as it stands now, it doesn't sound like McCarthy quite has all the votes that he needs. And so if he doesn't get them on the ballot, you may have additional candidates. This may go on and on and on. Uh, you may have a few people uh, who are able to to hold this thing up and try and get a different result here. McCarthy does not win the gamble on the first ballot. A second will be conducted, something that has not happened in a speaker vote in 100 years. 222 Republicans set to be sworn in today. The number that McCarthy must reach is 218. So he only has four to lose. And in an effort to narrow the number of detractors, he gave in to a key demand over the weekend, which would make it easier for members to remove him from the position if they didn't think he was doing a good job. Now, the election for the speaker will take place prior to the swearing in of members and delegates so the sense from the large majority who are supporting Ke- uh, Kevin McCarthy, they're saying not voting for him on this first ballot would simply hold up business that Republicans have been eager to get to. All right. So there you go. It's been a long time since they've they've gone to this. But yes, um, a majority of representatives elect from the candidates separately chosen by the ma- majority and minority caucuses um they're selected at their party members at organizing caucuses after the congress is seated um and that is uh that's that's the process on this whole thing and and of course the speaker of the house not only a significant position from a legislative perspective but speaker of the house is by law in the constitution second in line to succeed the president after the vice president and so that's um, that's significant, too, with this whole thing. And so we'll see if that is over, if they get the votes or if this is a drama that that keeps going forward. Um, as we look into 2023 um, from a national politics perspective, it'll be interesting to see how voter priorities kind of shift, change or do they this year? It, obviously, the economy, huge issue in 2022 inflation. You know, gas prices, other prices as well, interest rates, all of those things. Is that still going to take center stage or are people shifting to other issues now that are their biggest priority when voting going forward? The economy still remains a big priority for both conservative and liberal voters, with 30 percent of voters considering inflation a high priority. The poll by the Associated Press, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research, finds that while the economy remains a bipartisan issue, more Republican voters name inflation energy, immigration, gas, and food prices as top priorities, while Democrats pick health care, poverty, 
racism, climate change, and abortion as their main areas of concern. Both parties also are worried that hostile political divisions could continue to hamper progress on issues which the public care most about. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. And then, of course, one of the big questions in 2023 that we will know by the end of the year, presumably, is uh, who exactly is going to be running for the Democratic nomination for president in 2024 because you'll be on the on the verge of the primaries by the end of this yeah. year. Will it be? <laughs> yeah, we'll be knee deep in this stuff here later in 2023. Will the uh, will the president be running for reelection? Politico reports that the president has been talking with family while on vacation in St. Croix about whether to seek another term. And we've previously reported that the first lady and the Biden family are supportive of the idea. This was his 2023 message for the American people. Listen, optimism. I've never been more optimistic about America in my whole career. And, you know, the interesting thing is we've been through so much, so much difficulty, the pandemic, the flu, a whole range of things. And look how the American people fought back and they got up. Biden said many times it's his intention to run again, and he'll make that announcement early in the new year. But Politico reports, quote, those in the president's circle believe there's a strong and growing likelihood that he will run again and that an announcement could potentially come earlier than had been expected. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, I mean, based on, sort of reading between the lines of everything or even people saying this is the way that they're leaning it seems like that's what the plan that's what the plan is mm-hmm. um so I, that's kind of what i'm expecting right now but of course things can change and uh we will see if they do this year um all right uh we we did of course touch on uh this story last night and uh, or excuse me the, earlier in the show today i wanted to hit it again for people who are just joining us uh a terrible uh, scene uh, in cincinnati last night during the nfl's monday night football game uh where a buffalo bills player collapsed on the field after making a tackle uh and it was clear something was very wrong uh, and you had medics trainers begin the process of CPR. The game was stopped. Uh, here's the latest that we've got on this this morning. The Bills updating us overnight, tweeting Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He's currently sedated and listed in critical condition. The initial reaction of many was that they had never seen something like this before. 24-year-old Bills safety Damar Hamlin briefly stood up on his own after making a tackle before collapsing back onto the turf. Now an ambulance being brought out onto the field. But before he was rushed off, Hamlin received CPR for several minutes, leaving many players visibly shaken and some of his teammates in tears. What, what, um, yeah, and and obviously we talked about uh, what a a terrible gut-wrenching scene that was last night when you just expected to go in and, and, uh, watching a good football game and and the players expecting to play a football game and it turns into a life or death situation out of out of nowhere um but you know it's uh, i don't know and they haven't said this i've heard it said different ways and and and, and i certainly don't claim to know but um they was was the actual impact can or was the actual impact of the hit and i know you said it looked fairly garden variety i mean yeah. very garden variety in the nfl not particularly violent or hard or anything like that is that fair to say i haven't yeah. actually seen it um would the would the I, I wouldn't i wouldn't rank that in the top half of hardest hits in in any given game okay 
would the contact have anything to do with that or was that something you know that that was that happened you know regardless of or that was going to happen regardless of the contact in that situation and that's something we don't have the answer to right now but i've i've kind of heard people talk about it uh, as if perhaps the contact had something to do with that 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 i don't know the answer to right and but. I, I i pulled it up again and you you see the the Bengals receiver lower his shoulder and you see Hamlin take that the brunt of that contact to his chest. It was to his chest though. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't um just I mean and then and, and just incredibly scary that you know that anybody who's uh we I think we all worry about our own health enough mm-hmm. that somebody who's in peak physical condition Oh yeah, it, I mean, it kind of reminds me back. This is going back a little ways, but there's a basketball player, college basketball player, at the end of the season, about '88 or '89, um, named Hank Gathers, who played for Loyola yes. Marymount, who yes. collapsed on the court. And you know, I don't, I don't know how much similarity there was in, in what the health situation actually was, but again, you know, somebody who um, you. You think is you know peak physical condition a super young age, mm-hmm. right? Kind of in in the prime of your now, physical I think, life. I think with gathers they there there he was a heart condition. Yeah, yeah, I um, believe you're and, right. And they were figuring out if he was going to play or not, but everything had looked fine. I believe he was actually just at the free throw line. Yeah, and then just collapsed in that one. Yeah, so so that I, I was thinking a little bit of that, but uh, nothing more than that. There's nothing else this morning other than that statement to the Bills put out last night uh in the early morning hours actually and of course you know the among the concerns that you've got right now is uh if you know you do you do bring him back and you get a heartbeat again but um how much damage was done uh, especially to the brain during those precious during seconds those seconds when and and you know there can be a lot of outcomes to to that so um, won't go any further than that, but I think that's probably one of the big questions and one of the big challenges that medical staff are probably looking at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, other things that I want to touch on here this morning. Uh, take, take a look at uh, 2023, the world population. Where are the numbers going in terms of the people that live on the earth right now more on that from ryan schmelz the world population is projected to be 7.9 billion at the start of 2023 according to the u.s census bureau that's a 73.7 million person increase since the start of 2022 the united states population is projected to be 334.2 million an increase of 1.5 million since new year's day in 2022 according to the u.s census bureau a combination of deaths births, and net international migration increases the U.S. population by one person every 27 seconds. In Washington, huh. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. So it all averages out to one one person. That actually doesn't sound like that much. Right. What uh, what year were you born? 77. Okay. Do you know the world population the year you were born? What did they say it was now? Uh, I, I forgot. what uh, What's the general number? I forgot what he said. So, Seven... So the the website I've got right now has seven twenty billion. twenty was seven point seven 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 yeah that's what he said it was yeah seven eight billion um I don't know I assume it was probably about five or six four point two there's almost double the people on Earth since I was born four point two five point three the year I was born that's crazy to think about there's almost just in my lifetime the Earth's population is nearly doubled mm-hmm. huh. 
Um, <laughs> boy, go, from going something uh, super big to something sort of small, but might be impactful is kind of weird. But if uh, the uh, the other place, by the way, speaking of long lines, places that were busy. I uh, changed my cable service over the course of the last couple, or my internet service the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? And one of the things I had to do was I had to return my old modem router. Oh, yeah, all to, the stuff that you have. Uh, yeah, you, So, but all you have to do is bring it to, like, a UPS store. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, I learned also the hard way that go, trying to go to a UPS store between December 18th and December 24th. <laughs> Not a <laughs> right. Not a not yeah. a great idea if you're going in and out. Well, this has to do with uh, FedEx, but if you're uh, sending packages via FedEx in 2023, you're going to be paying a little more for that. If you're sending a package via FedEx, it'll cost more as of today. The shipping giant has raised its rates for FedEx Express, ground, and home delivery by almost seven percent. FedEx freight rates are going up by six point nine to seven point nine percent. The news was announced last fall in its earnings report with companies. Company officials citing declining global volumes and rising operating costs from inflation as two major factors in the decision. The Commercial Appeal newspaper reports that since 2012, FedEx package rates have usually gone up by about 4.9 percent annually until the pandemic when they were raised about 5.9 percent. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. All right. And we opened uh, up the segment talking about uh, resolutions and uh, to those people who are making them. It's interesting kind of to see where... Uh, where, in what sort of areas of life people are focusing? I, you know, my big one, as I said, was to to lose weight. A lot of financial ones as well. What's the world look like in this? Fifty-seven percent of those surveyed said they wanted to focus on saving more money, while forty-eight percent said they wanted to track spending more carefully. Forty-three percent said they wanted to reduce overall spending. Forty-two percent said they wanted to cut spending on non-essentials, and forty percent said they wanted to focus on paying off loans. Rising inflation and the threat of recession were cited as the top reasons for being more careful with money. The survey was done by the data company Numerator. Ted Lindner, Fox News. Did you set any resolutions? Well, yeah, well, I'm not not financial, well, but that, yeah, that just I, I I need to I need to and want to lose weight, significant weight. Yes, I feel like that one's kind of always there. That's always a, a there. very specific one I set for this year is, and maybe it doesn't go the whole year. Maybe we just see how far into the year I get. But I'm going with no caffeinated drinks. Oh, what? Wow. No caffeinated drinks. You're, so you're not a coffee guy, so that's yeah, all, I, you're a step well, ahead on that already. If we get scooties, I'll get the... Uh, the, the scooties? The, no one calls it that. We call it scooties. <laughs> wow. Right? Scooties and Starbies, that's where, that's oh, where God, you get your fancy stop. drinks. Please stop. Um, but no, I'll get something that I'm fairly certain is 99.9% sugar. Okay. Yeah, you're one of those. Um, you're one of those people. So we would get those, but no, like I, right. I don't drink coffee. You'll see. Are you me. doing that to sleep better or, or uh, no, just, just uh, for just fun a, or a little bit to sleep better? I also know there will be times that I'll hammer like five Mountain Dews over the course of this show. Yeah, you know, like that's not good from five to nine in the morning. I think I'm trying to drink more caffeine this year. <laughs> you know, you take all the caffeine. Try, that's I fine. I'll. Well, I have. That's the as long as it doesn't have calories in it, I'll hammer the caffeine. That's right. fine. Uh, that's fine with me, but yeah, that's you, and and you know those financial ones. It boy, it just feels. I don't know if you guys all feel like this coming out of the holidays, but you feel like you're coming out of the most 
you know, gluttonous period in every possible way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in ter- <laughs> I mean, you're just thinking like, God, like exactly that. Like, holy cow, we need to quit spending so much money on stuff. We had Christmas gifts and travel and well, and, it's and, also- and all these year end expenses and everything. And and then you feel the same way. Like, I feel like I've been eating nonstop mm-hmm. for, for, you know, two weeks. And- well, think about a couple of the ways that people cope with with depression or sadness is spending money be that on food mm-hmm. be that on just things experiences mm-hmm. and now we are into the saddest month of the yeah. year yeah. like you come out of all of that on the high of of family and christmas and new year and you go into this it's just i know worst. now uh, at least we've got we are above average temperature for the first half of january at least mm-hmm. at least chopping here we go. Chopping, Chopping weeks, weeks off, off winter. winter yeah. Chopping weeks <laughs> off winter. That's what we need. Let's get let's get to that sweet, <laughs> sweet spring. All right, 656, we'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, coming up, 7 o'clock hour, Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. We're going to get ready for... Nebraska legislative session, the stories of uh, 2023, the questions that we have to be answered here over the course of the next several days as they're going to get going very soon here under the leadership, too, on the state of a new governor. So we'll jump into that at 710. Uh, 735, we will count down the five things you're going to be talking about today with your morning drive. So busy morning. 33 degrees in the capital city. You are listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 709, 33 degrees, cloudy skies in the capital city, Lincoln uh, is still in a winter weather advisory until midnight. Uh, the This area, though, not seeing what we're seeing to the north of here. Uh, do have a possibility, though, if precipitation materializes throughout the course of the day when those temperatures start to drop, and we will get below. Fr- we're at 33 right now. By the time the afternoon rolls around, we will be below freezing in the 20. If we do have any precipitation materialize in the afternoon, that could, uh, could render us... Uh, Kind of a slick situation here in and around the capital city. So be aware of that for your afternoon drive. All right. Time to check in for the first time in 2023 with Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. Good morning, Joe. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Thanks, Jack. Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's jump into, you know, what the next, uh, the coming kind of the short term days and weeks ahead hold uh, in terms of 
kind of uh, rebooting here with a, a new governor, a new legislature, um, and 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 uh, a new beginning here, sort of in state government in a lot of ways. Uh, what are the what are kind of the big uh, the big mile markers, the big things that will happen over the course of the the next few days uh, in terms of sort of defining what the beginning of this legislative session, the beginning of this year looks like uh, with this new guard coming in. I think we're going to get an early indication of how calm or uncalm, if that's even a word, uh, this next session is going to be when the legislature convenes tomorrow and has this discussion over whether or not they're going to elect the heads of the uh, various uh, committees uh, by a secret ballot or not. If, if, if there is, well, whether there's a secret ballot or not, there's going to be a fight. And those that lose probably won't be happy, regardless of which side. If the secret ballot folks uh, win and everything stays as it's been, uh, my guess is things will will calm down somewhat quickly after that. The chairmanships will be voted on in private and will go forward. Uh, If a secret ballot uh, changes and it's now open to who voted for who, that sets up a dynamic that we've never seen uh it, it, in our lifetimes in the, in the legislature uh because now everybody's going to know who voted for who and who voted against who for these top positions in the in in the legislature and it's not just those those top individuals that are going to be upset if it, uh and who wins or who loses but their supporters are going to be upset about who wins and who loses and when you've only got 49 people that you're dealing with in the legislature relationships really, really matter. Uh, you know, in Congress, you've got 435. And so if you if you make a couple of enemies along the way, um, those things are going to happen. But you've still got, you know, hundreds of other people that, that probably aren't furious at you on, on a personal level. But when you've only got 49 people you're dealing with, you make five or six enemies and uh, things can change relatively quickly uh, and affect uh, votes down the road and relationships down the road. And and if you talk to any lawmaker, uh, especially in a nonpartisan legislature, they will tell you that relationships are what guide these discussions, that you've got to be able to trust somebody uh, when they give you uh, their their word on how they're going to vote on something. Mm-hmm. And with, with, with the, with the, if there's no secret ballot, I think that a lot of that trust is going to go away. Um, I could easily be proven wrong down the road, but uh, having watched this for for years and years, uh, the trust level is really important, uh, and lawmakers depend on it. And the and the other side of this, or addition additional factor to all this, is you're going to have several people who've never been in the legislature before right. sworn in tomorrow, uh, and and how they react to all this, whether it's a secret ballot or not a secret ballot. So I think the first indication we're going to get of what this next session of the legislature looks like uh, is how the outcome of that secret ballot goes. And then we'll just kind of go from there and see where where it takes us. What's your gut feeling on, let's say hypothetically that they did switch over to an open ballot, that it was no longer secret. What's your gut feeling on just how much that sort of changes the situation and, and how people vote on these leadership positions? Well, that is the ultimate question, because yeah. what we're going to find out quickly is, uh, if, if it's an open ballot, are we going to see chairmanships basically 
decided by who's a Republican and who's a Democrat. Uh, because everybody sitting there knows who's a Republican and who's a Democrat. Uh, I, probably the most interesting, uh, maybe not most interesting, but the glaring one will probably be the decision, if it's an open ballot, uh, on the Education Committee. Senator Walls from, from Fremont, uh, she wants to continue her chairmanship. Senator Merman, uh, is, he wants a chairmanship as well. He's a Republican. She's a Democrat. Uh, if that thing lines up Democrats versus Republicans on who voted for who, uh, that would be a clear indication that, that, that you've got partisanship now playing a role in the nonpartisan legislature, which it always has. But now it'll be now it'll be really clear what's going on. Well, like it's interesting. I mean, you go. I'm going through and looking at. Um you know the the you know Lynn Walls you mentioned. Um, you know the judiciary was 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 Lathrop last session. Um, Justin Wayne, Urban Affairs, those sorts of things. Like I, I I don't know enough about this. It's interesting that you did have people getting these chairmanships, chairwomanships that were obviously getting votes from across the aisle. I don't know if that was because they were the only ones who wanted it. I don't know if there was what all the dynamics that went into that but i guess you know this isn't really a question but like i i i wonder like does this mean you go you go toward more of a like a model like you've got in washington dc where you know the majority party has the chair essentially in all the committees essentially will that it will that de facto actually be what the result of this is or or not like what is there what is the willingness why are the votes going like they are right now under the secret ballot is sort of what i'm i wonder about well, I think part of that is let's 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 you, you mentioned Senator Lathrop in the in Judiciary Committee. My understanding of that is first of all, uh he he, he had done that before and kind of came back uh to that role. And uh in in addition to that, he was he was really well respected on both sides of the aisle. And I think the belief was that he was going to be very, very fair in his handling of the, of the Judiciary Committee. Now, you can argue whether or not he was or wasn't. There's certain Some bills got you know held here and there that, that people complained about. But I think he was considered, by and large, by the majority of the legislature to be uh, uh, fair when it came to dealing with, with, with issues and in his handling of that committee. Uh, in terms of uh, Justin Wayne on the uh, Urban Affairs Committee, Yes, he's a Democrat, but if you you know you look at the majority of the majority of lawmakers who who are, are of the urban areas, yes. which is basically Lincoln, Lincoln and Omaha, Omaha. The majority right. are Democrats, so that one just kind of falls in line to being a Democrat. Right. Uh, now, but that could easily change if we go to an open ballot uh, tomorrow, and and people are concerned about you know making their party mad uh, if they vote for for the other guy, the other side, and it's going to be very revealing uh, if if the switch is made and that's the vote. Uh, it'll be very revealing what happens after that because if they do that, if that's if that changes before you ever get to the chairmanship's vote, uh, they have to. There's a, there's going to be a discussion on temporary rules, and who knows how that could play out. I mean, there's been some discussion that you could have. Uh, a, a tremendous delay in trying to figure out what what rules are what, uh, depending on how happy or sad some of these lawmakers are on the outcome of that secret ballot vote. So tomorrow could be uh, if a secret ballot 
continues to go on, I think you're going to have a relatively smooth, you know, in terms of here's the votes, just like just like we've seen. If the secret ballot dies, it's going to be, okay, here, here we go again, as it has been for for years and years and years. If, it, if it's an open ballot, that opens a can of potential can of worms that could affect a lot of things tomorrow. I'm not saying this is like an evaluation statement or a judgment statement, but it is a little shocking to me, Joe, that we have a situation in politics in 2023 where there is concern that people are being, at least among anyone, that people are being too bipartisan. Essentially, right? Like all, all we hear is about how people are moving apart from each other politically and how it's more divided than we've ever been at all these levels. And yet there still is, in theory, uh, a situation here where you've got some people in the legislature who, in principle, uh, if, if they have their druthers where it doesn't have to be seen, they would rather be bipartisan than not. But when you shine the light on them, that's when that would potentially change. Um, it just goes against sort of common thinking about the state of politics in 2023. Well, if you ask, this has been, and this is not actually new, but it's been going on for quite some time. If you talk to, quote unquote, the American people, they always say they want their lawmakers to, you know, get along, get something done, uh, work with the other side and go forward. But the parties don't see it that way. No. You know, it's, it's their way or the highway. And, and, and because of the, we had this discussion a zillion times, because of the primary system in the, in the country, where, where to win your primary, you've got to appeal to your base voters uh, who are the most, you know, who are clearly not wanting to talk to the other side. You've got to appeal to them to win. So then, you, you, you know, then, you, then it's, the, the elections come down to, you know, Democrats versus Republicans, and the guy in the middle doesn't know, you know, where he's supposed to land. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is that's not new, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. The public yells for bipartisanship, but the parties, you know, they don't, and they don't, they don't have to, to be honest with you. The way the primary system is developed here. Yeah, I guess so. It's, I mean, it's just like, like you watch floor debate, and it's not like it doesn't seem, you know, sometimes you'll get these hints of it, but man, it feels as contentious as ever there on, on some of those floor debates, yet you still got this thing where, uh, you know, where people, again, in theory, are voting across party lines for, for these leadership decisions. Um, so one of the things I'm most interested in, I'll be curious kind of what you think here is what we learn and how quickly we learn it in terms of what a bill is going to look like uh, in the aftermath. Of, of Roe versus Wade being reversed. Nebraska didn't go with a special session. There was no, um, there's not been anything on the ballot. And so now it's kind of up to the legislature here, this session, this current group of legislators to take action or not take action going forward. And I think the, the biggest question in that is what does the bill actually look like? Um, I, I, I presumed kind of when this first happened, we've talked about this, that it would be an outright ban is what you would see um, it, in any time frame. And I was incorrect in that, uh, at least initially, because the discussion about what a special session would have been at wasn't even that. It was something that um, was a number. It just changed the amount of weeks. Um, how do you think are we going to have multiple options on this? How, how is this kind of going to go in determining what eventually becomes the the sort of the chosen? bill here that that's inevitably going to going to at least be voted on here in the legislature well i think what you're going to see initially is more than one bill and i think you're going to see uh a variety several bills with with a variety of options so to speak and whether that's uh 
standing pat at 20 weeks, which is where the law, Nebraska law is right now, no abortions after 20 weeks. And then, you, and I think you're probably going to see one that says 12. I think you're going to see one that says 6. Uh, and I think you're going to see one that says a complete ban on abortions in right. Nebraska. Uh, and, and, and it wouldn't even surprise me if you see someone, quote-unquote, on the left, who proposes legislation to, you know, <laughs> go from 20 weeks to 24 weeks. Right. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. And, and and I think I think by having that wide range, then you're going to have then, then you're going to get into this debate as to where's the where is the compromise? Is it going to be six weeks? Is it going to be 12? Because the, the, the Democrats in the legislature uh, and the, 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 the numbers are going to be interesting. I, a total ban would would be uh, to me surprising. Not impossible, but very surprising. Uh, and so my guess is you're going to get the, the likelihood is you'll get something less than 20 weeks. Uh, but uh, it's going to be contentious. It's going to be drawn out. Uh, my guess is it will it will it'll be. And, it, and the other thing is it's going to affect other legislation, because as that as that debate takes place, not that people will be horse trading boats over the abortion issue, because I, don't, I think, you know, that's it's kind of the, it's kind of like a death penalty uh, debate where people have a moral. It, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not based on on um, the, the the feel at the moment. It's right. it's, a, it's a moral decision that you're making, and it, it but it but it will affect relationships on other legislation that if you don't if just if you think so and so is not going to you know is 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 not your friend on this abortion bill uh it may affect how you how you parry and and, and argue with them on, on other legislation going down the road so i think it's going to have a uh not a direct crossover effect on other legislation but it will be there in the back of pe- other lawmakers' minds as they see these votes line up and as this thing plays out, because it's going to be very contentious. There's there's no doubt in my mind uh, it's going to be contentious and, yeah. and difficult to come up with a resolution. All right. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be watching. We'll be uh, obviously getting together every Tuesday, going into uh, the new year and the new legislative session uh, to talk about what's going on and give people a little bit of insight on that. Always appreciate your time, Joe. Look forward to checking in again next week. All right. Jack, I always appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. There you go. Joe Jordan, News Channel, Nebraska. 725, we'll take a break. we got sports coming up next on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. All right, it is 739, 33 degrees, cloudy skies in the capital city, and it's time to count them down for the first time in 2023. Number five. Tamar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills safety, remains in critical condition. He collapsed on the uh, football field last night on the Buffalo Bengals game. The game was ultimately suspended. Hamlin was administered CPR on the field. Um, he got after a hit that didn't seem all that bad. He stood up and then collapsed. Uh, he was, uh, they actually backed an ambulance right onto the field to uh, take him to the hospital. So, uh, game's been suspended and uh, no word from the NFL on whether it'll be made up or uh, what will happen there. But he remains in critical condition this morning. Yeah. 
There was a uh, there was a statement about five hours ago. It was about like two in the morning uh, that they put this out. It said Demar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest following a hit in the game. His heartbeat was restored on the field. So that's good news. Restored on the field, he was transferred to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center for the testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and listed in critical condition. Um, and so obviously, you, you know, hope cautiously optimistic that you get his heart started again. Obviously, there, there are questions about um, how long it had been when the heart stopped, what the impact of that is on his body and his brain, and then, you know, and, you know everything else that was going on with that, but just a um, a surreal, terrible. And, and you know, I think a, a, probably the vast majority of us, whether you know, if you were watching, even if you were watching that game, you. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know about Demar Hamlin. I didn't know his name. I'm not deep enough into the Buffalo Bills roster. Right, but man. Once that happened, and I didn't even see it, I got a text there like, "Oh my gosh, did you see this?" And I turned it on right away, so I caught all the kind of the reaction that was out there from all the players on the field and the coaches talking and all of that. And man, it was it was hard just not to have it really affect you, you know, for for whatever reason. And um, you know, and and of course, not sound callous about this, but obviously this happens and happens in, in our own lives and happens everywhere but something about it being on on live TV and so unexpected like this and probably for a lot of people maybe even bringing back memories or anxieties or, or those sorts of things um, it sort of ended up dominating my life uh, my night uh, in 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 a way where you might not have expected it to anyway and I, I think other people probably felt that way too um, but of course you know so many people coming together and just uh, hoping, praying that we get some kind of a positive update at some point. But there's been nothing from Buffalo since yeah. that 2 a.m. ish statement from Buffalo. Um, and you know, in the meantime, obviously the games stopped. I don't think anybody cares all that much right now still about what the plan is for that, and that's a discussion for a little bit down the road. Um, uh, and then, you know, one nice story out of this whole thing that you mentioned, Caleb, is that um, Hamlin had was doing a, I think, wasn't it, you said a shoe drive or was it a toy drive? I don't remember. Uh, maybe both. Um, Charity toy drive. Yeah, a toy drive. Is what it is, yeah. And that w- where he had done over the holidays and the GoFundMe was still up for it. And his goal, I believe, was get 2500 for it. <laughs> um, and what? how much is in it? What did you say? It's gained two hundred thousand dollars in the last hour and a half, and we're it's in, up to three point four million dollars. I think there's that. I mean, that sort of goes to this. What I was expressing is that you just, boy, I just felt wrapped up in this whole thing last night, and I think that shows that a lot of other people were, and they wanted to. There was nothing you could really do other than sort of watch and and perhaps pray and and. Um, People felt like they wanted to do something else. Apparently, a lot of people. Yeah. To the tune of three million dollars. Well, and there's, you put your name on there, and, and you see prayers from whatever, prayers from whatever. The last two donations on there, one for fifty dollars, one for five thousand five hundred dollars, and that that's the range you're getting. Some people are it's five dollars, it's here or there, mm-hmm. just trying to put some positivity out into the world 
because that 16 minutes from the time that Hamlin went down to when the ambulance left the field and in total about an hour from the time that play happened to when they officially postponed the game and all those announcements went out simultaneously very quick but also forever yeah because when so like every single second seems like it's lasting 10 minutes on its own and um like like we had talked about earlier every one of those seconds is very precious when they have to go out they have to use an aed they have to perform cpr they have to get a heartbeat back yeah they said 15 minutes from the time he went down to when the ambulance left the field I, and then it took a couple extra minutes of that ambulance being in right. the tunnel. They were trying to get his mother out of the stand so she could ride with him to the hospital. Um, and, you know, Zach Taylor kind of in, in the middle of all this, the former Husker quarterback, and he and uh, obviously the, the Bills coach yeah. um, uh, were having some extensive discussions and, and I think trying to figure out with the league what you do in that whole thing. And, and um you know, a lot of grace, you would hope everybody does this, but a lot of grace shown not only, of course, by the opponents and, and the, the fans of the opposing team yeah, who it, stayed around. It was, it was a visiting player signs. who was down. So. Yeah, going out to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. The the Bengals lit up their stadium overnight last night in, in Buffalo Bills colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, still, still hoping. I think it, it, so much of a... Uh, of a country is, is kind of tied to this and, and just hoping there's good news on this because it's so unfathomable at that age and in that level of health that something like that could happen. Number four. LTU announced last week the reopening of Yankee Hill Road between South 40th and 56th Street. In those 16 blocks, they plunked in three new roundabouts, South 44th, South 48th, and South 52nd. Uh, but the project, part of the Lincoln on the Move growth project, uh, going to help private sector investment serve 1,547 multifamily housing units, 216 single-family units, and about 300,000 square feet of potential commercial space. A new pavement, one lane in each direction, raised center median, new street lighting, water mains, sewer pipe, stormwater, public... Some nice new roundabouts. Three of them. (laughs) Good. Uh, Have you been on it yet, Mark? No. No. When you do, don't get pulled over. Don't get pulled over. You missed the story earlier. Caleb well, got pulled you, over his first ever time on the South Beltway. Well, these are the ones, if you, you hit those roundabouts, you can keep turning yeah, around. That's true. <laughs> but you know, after 2021, 2022, and, and 2020, I'm just a skeptical of pe- some people that when I enter a roundabout, I look both ways. <laughs> I've seen some video of some roundabouts yeah. going down in new areas. Yeah. People coming up going left. So what is the new... There's always a most talked about street that you uh, can't wait till it opens up. I don't know what moves into first place now. This was definitely there. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, you got the South Bell, South Lincoln, South Lincoln's moving around everywhere now I with think- this thing. I guess. Maybe the next thing is getting those exits on the yeah. South Beltway so Caleb doesn't have to make illegal U-turns on it. That would be the next one. Not going to be doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just for, don't, for those of you who missed it earlier, if you get going on the South Beltway, realize you didn't want to be there. Just, and the next exit is a long ways away. Just take Just the ride 10 it minute out. drive up, Just whatever it is. Ride it out. That's the law. Just ride it out. Don't be like Caleb. <laughs> All right, moving on. Number three. Nebraska U.S. Senator Ben Saskatch will give you his final floor uh, Senate speech, floor Senate floor speech this afternoon. 2.30 Central Time is when that's scheduled. He's leaving to become the president of the University of Florida. Yeah. Um, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. 
at 810. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, heard from him. Is going to be him, in but, studio or on the phone? Uh, I, I assume he'll be on phone. I don't know if it, I don't know if he's going to be back that quickly or or in Florida or no yeah so I he'll be on the phone I believe uh, but try to be get a selfie with him so <laughs> no you weren't <laughs> Mark's a big selfie no, guy you were there's nothing about that sentence that uh, um, I, you know it'll be interesting to hear what he says I you know if he goes kind of the normal uh, sassian direction. Uh, which well, is, I, there's one one thing that I know he's going to be upset about. The Biden administration slipped in some new regulations over the holiday, uh, reimposing a bunch of those rules on waters of the U.S. that he was so adamantly opposed oh, to. Well. So maybe he'll give a parting shot. If he had stayed in the Senate, he could have done something about it. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. 2.30 this afternoon. Number two. All right. Uh, some guy has basically sued everyone related to elections and government. Yeah. Have you seen this? They, yes, I did, and I thought it was so stupid I didn't do it. There was actually a hearing. Um, there was a there was a hearing on this that happened right before we took our, our long break. So this has been out there a little bit, but I didn't read into it much further until just here this this weekend. We had briefly mentioned it, but uh, when it had kind of come out, but there hadn't been the hearing yet. Yeah. So so this hearing, but he sued all ninety three county election commissioners a whole bunch of state officials and so they bring they go into a hearing where all of these different entities guys there i mean there are some lawyers who represent multiple of the county election commissioners but you basically bring in an army of lawyers for these government officials (laughs) because so many of them are named as defendants um where there's this guy who's representing himself on this whole thing and he asked the judge um, to basically file an amended complaint in this in this whole thing, uh, he had forty allegations in the existing complaint. He said he wanted to make it closer to eleven in in the new one. Um, he is seeking ten billion dollars in damages, and then according to the Journal Star, he alleges that every U.S. president since Ronald Reagan has been heavily saturated in pedophilia. With the exception of Trump, um, so and the COVID nineteen was a scam. He says to remove Trump and that President Joe well, Biden and ninety percent of Lincoln City Council were installed, not elected. Interesting, interesting theories uh, there. Uh, it does not sound like the attorneys that are uh, dealing with this right now are too pleased about the time that is taking up. And so some of them are seeking sanctions because there have been two lawsuits filed on these same allegations uh, here. And that it also was not done procedurally correct and a whole bunch of other things here. But uh, anyway, we'll see where this one goes. Ten billion. If he gets that judgment, that's that'll be big. There goes Nebraska's surplus. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. If they all that surplus are dealing with the legislature. Straight up, uh, straight up paid to this dude for rigging all the elections. It'd be a shame. <laughs> just reading some of this. Sorry, this sorry, just, uh, the last elected legitimate president was Ronald Reagan, according to him. What does he think? Gorby Bush? Wow. That's breaking. He thinks Gore. Wow. He thinks they rigged it for Bush against Gore. Sad. What a lib. <laughs> you you go way back. He was a big Dewey fan. <laughs> Number one.
Matt Rule's coaching staff uh, apparently nearing completion and announced a couple of hires uh, in the last few days. Yeah, what, we haven't even talked about this yet here, Caleb, right. uh, on the show. But give me your kind of your your reaction to uh, the the uh, apparently these are two more Carolina Panthers assistants that are coming in. Yeah, what what you're hearing basically, or what you're seeing from the staff, the way he's building it is you he's got a lot of experience on the coordinators. And then everyone else, it, it might not be a lot of experience um, from what the reports are for the wide receivers coach. It's a young man who is, his dad is the Texas Tech head coach, but he's 23, 24 years old. And so right now, you do have players on the current roster that are his age or older because of the COVID year, red shirts, whatever. So the way Matt Rule, and he did this with his previous staffs as well, if he believes in the way, especially if he's worked with you, because this was one of his own players at Baylor, Mm -hmm. if he's worked with you, if he likes your knowledge of the game, if he thinks you have got a great future in the profession, he's not going to be shy about hiring you, even to a Power 5 job, yep, even to an NFL job. Mm-hmm. So it's experience at the coordinators. It's guys he likes that are going to know his system at the rest of the positions. I. It's not exactly what I the way I thought he was going to build the staff. When you hear that he had a seven eight million dollar assistance pool, you thought, all right, you're going to go get the best dude at this. You're going to get a top five guy at this, and just kind of go down the list. And that's not really the way he built his program. It's very fiscally responsible. But it's also guys that he's going to trust. Yeah. According to reports, Garrett McGuire, he's the 24-year-old. That's the son of the Texas Tech yeah. coach. He would be wide receivers. Uh, Rob Dvoracek is the the uh, other one. Uh, he's 28 years old. Uh, and he would They're going to have half this staff younger than me by the end of this. He would be linebackers. Yeah. Um, and so he was a defensive quality control specialist at Baylor under mm-hmm. Matt Rule. Um, and then he was part of the football program at Temple, where Matt Rule was was coaching there. Yeah, so, prior to Baylor. So that is uh, that's the background. So are we? Is that it now? Are we done? I think he might have one more. My but goodness. and here's the thing with those last two. Yeah, who's the? I don't know who officially is the quarterback. Or do we? Yeah. Well, we, and, and with those last two, I think the offensive coordinator is taking quarterback. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah. But with those last two, those weren't officially announced, as far as I know. I think right. they, were just they haven't been. It's, there, I think there's plenty. So of yeah. So we're still they have waiting. to finish the. They have one more game to coach yeah. with Carolina. So, Carolina lost right last week. So they're are they officially out? I think so. Okay. Um. So yeah. So we're still waiting to see. 100% what announced and where everybody is coaching beyond reports that have been pretty reliable so far. Right. Yep. So there you go. That's what we've we've got here. Yeah, Carolina is is eliminated now from the uh from the playoffs at 6 and 10. All right, uh 754 it's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. When you're thinking Husker you're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's 757 LNK Today. Glad to have you back with us. 33 degrees right now in the capital city. And uh, yeah, it should be, uh, should be dropping below freezing as we uh, cross the noon hour about today. And they, they, uh, they bumped us up maybe... 
right around 50% peaks out right over the lunch hour in terms of possible precipitation right now. And so uh, if you combine, those two may have some slick conditions. But the rain, the precipitation looks kind of a spotty possibility right now. Um, hey, it, you know, Caleb, I, I realize we haven't, we haven't discussed this yet extensively, but we're already to Tuesday in this week. And that means we are three days away uh, from the first request line Friday Ooh. of 2023. My my inclination, my inclination is to keep it pretty wide open for the first Friday of the year. I um, think so too. So just kind of like set. It, maybe it's just like setting your your vibe, your mood for twenty. So that's actually what I was thinking too. Was yeah. what what's the energy you're you're yes. taking into twenty twenty three? That's a good. Okay, there we go. I like that. So we're gonna do that. Uh, but what is the the song that encapsulates your energy going into twenty twenty three? Uh, when we're all when we're all hyped up for the new year, ready to make improvements in our lives, in our routines, and everything else, uh, maybe, uh, or maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe Very, you feel really crappy going I, into twenty twenty. Well, I'm ready for someone's request to be take this job and shut. That's true. Maybe that. <laughs> maybe that'll be. I could use a little. Yeah, I I could use a little pump up music here to get me going uh, on Friday and and uh, ready to get working out and ready to get healthy and mm-hmm. all the things that go along with that. So, all right, that's what we'll do. So, request line Friday. Um, what is? Uh, I want some Ender Sandman. I want some Danger Zone. Just what whatever gets your song, whatever you need to get you ready for 2023. That is the song that you should request. And if you want to tell us why, you can do that too. The way you request it is by texting us. 402-479-1400, the Rick Stein Recognition text line, and uh, we will put you in the queue. We'll start getting that sheet put together with the songs that have been requested, and we'll have some fun on Friday, the fusion of music and talk radio that you didn't know you needed. Request line Friday, continuing on in 2023. All right, we'll take a break. It's 8 o'clock on KLI and Lincoln. For Chris Lofgren. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, cloudy 33 degrees in the capital city on this January 3rd, 2023. It's a Tuesday morning. I know it's gotten kind of hard to figure out what day it is. They all sort of meld together, but hopefully... uh, Hopefully, those of you who are getting back to routine are uh, having some success with that today. Kids, uh, my kids at least, don't go b- back to school until tomorrow. My son has to take some finals tomorrow. <laughs> that's, oh, that's uh, right. Their finals that yeah, time to can start. only help them, though. Yeah, that can only can only help. But uh, yeah, so I guess time to time to buckle down at the end of uh, end of Christmas break and do some studying. He hasn't here started slacking yet, has he? Uh, second semester senior. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jason Ball joins us uh, every Tuesday, every uh, other Tuesday at the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and he joins us right now. Jason, you brought a guest with you today. I did. Uh, tell us who you brought with us. Yeah. With you today. So we've got Bruce Boyer. He's the executive vice president for the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce and our lobbyist. Good to see you again, Bruce. Good How you been? See, good to see you. Happy glad, New Year. Glad to have you. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. Um, and guys, we've got a we got a legislative session. That is about to uh, about to start, and we had Joe Jordan on earlier, and we were talking about some of the some of the big issues and some of the political issues there. But of course, the Chamber of Commerce is is a big interest in in infrastructure, economic, other issues, particularly that impact Lincoln. Um, and and I guess Bruce, I'll, I'll I'll kind of start with you. What what happens during the uh, the the off season for the legislature as you're kind of getting ready and leading up to this this moment to sort of identify 
identify the things that might be there, having meetings, and, and kind of tell us about the last few months of doing that. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, Jack. Uh, well, we like you said, we do have a lot of meetings and uh, you know interim study hearings going on. Uh, we still look at uh, big issues like uh, water 2.0 or a secondary water source for Lincoln was a, a you know something that we've been studying, and I, I anticipate there'll be legislation on that this year. Uh, Senator Bostar carried that uh, for Lincoln last year and got twenty million dollars to to kind of start that off. Uh, other big issues, like you say, infrastructure. We've got a new governor. Uh, governor Pillen has uh, signaled uh, during the campaign that he would be interested in, in using some of the bonding capacity for the state. And that's something that hasn't happened in the past. So we'll see how that might be helpful for us. Um, uh, a new convention center for Lincoln. You know, we've got a very significant uh a cash reserve fund. Uh, I think the the state is up to one point seven uh, billion dollars yeah. uh, projected to go over they two got some billion. Money here. So it's kind of like ARPA only with our own general fund money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'll have to give some credit here to uh, Speaker Mike Hilder, former Speaker Mike Hilder from Lincoln, now uh, soon to be Attorney General for Nebraska. Uh, who who really kind of promoted the idea of uh, during his term as speaker of you know Nebraskans ought to think big about what we can do for our future and have some vision and of course something that came out of that was the the Star Wars proposal mm-hmm. last year that led to some money uh, and some what study. we call Dragon Lake here is, uh, <laughs> that's our working name for it uh, but we'll see speaker likes that I don't know if he likes it or not <laughs> I don't know I'll have to ask him I'll have to ask him if he likes it but anyway yeah big ideas like dragon lake well here's hold on real quick we we the, the idea was not only to call you know gretna it's near gretna the yep. dragons but we also think there should be a live animal well not live it's anim- a tourism aspect. it's a tourism aspect we yeah. want like an animatronic dragon that's kind of like the loch ness monster Ooh, that will I make like appearances that. and you know get the you know freak the kids out a little bit but uh you know a little extra draw Look then we've already silence. named him Greddy. right right <laughs> i love it yeah so anyway we're Thinking, we're thinking you about. Guys are creative. We're you thinking guys, about, you we guys think need about, to be working for state yeah. tourism. You're That's not the only one to. thinking about economic development here. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, well, well, Bruce, let's get it. Let's get into some of those things, and 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 Jason, jump into here specifically, but. I'm going to kind of go from the back, though, but you talk about that that surplus, and, and of course, the discussion is, well, you know, you want to have a rainy day fund, you should have a rainy day fund, but if some of it's going to be used, how in the heck do you best use it? Yeah. Um, how do you kind of frame that discussion, especially in terms of, like, if you had your, your, your druthers, what are the ways that it could be used if it were used place like Lincoln and other cities where it would go the furthest, yeah. essentially? Oh, it's a great con- or question, and I guess the way we talk about that issue is kind of looking at where can you see, where can you find some productive expenditures, uh, probably require a local match, uh, you know, and have some economic studies that are already completed related mm-hmm. to it, uh, some, you know, feasibility studies, and that kind of leads right into a uh, convention center for lincoln that's already got some studies completed and and underway the second phase uh but yeah i mean and certainly there will be plenty of ideas across the state too and i I, so yeah it's a great question Yeah, i was gonna say like what's kind of the push because you know i don't think there's any doubt 
I don't think people here would disagree at all. A convention center would be beneficial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be beneficial, but you've got to convince the state government right. to do it, right? right? Not the, you know, it, it's the state. What's sort of that push when you're advocating? And, and you're not the only one doing it. Obviously, Omaha's doing it. Grand Island's doing yeah. it. Yeah. Everywhere, rural areas are, are doing it as well. How do you make that case exactly when, when you're talking about these sorts of things? Well, you do make the case that it isn't just just that project. It's statewide mm-hmm. projects, just like the bills that were for ARPA last year. It wasn't just the Gretna proposal. It was irrigation canal. It was other things at Big Mac, you know, the, mm-hmm. some of the improvements there and, and, and up north as well. So, I mean, that's got to be part of it. And, you know, I, we were talking earlier just before we came in here how excited I am to see, um, you know, new legislature and just when you see the the new senators and their families uh, on the floor of the legislature and the grandkids maybe you know mm-hmm. and it, it's just so neat to see that and uh you know nebraska really does have a pretty unique uh system that we've got here that's very accessible and uh of course a new governor uh governor pillen coming right. in and the relationships there so uh a lot of this so you know we're kind of have a good idea about how to do it and uh but having to build new relationships sure. too. I, I think one of the one of the things that we're going to be pushing on a lot this year is a healthy and vibrant growing economy in Lincoln yeah. is definitely an asset to the state. Exactly. And, and I would make that argument for a healthy and growing Kearney, a healthy and growing mm-hmm. Omaha. These are all economic engines uh, for the state. Um, I know uh, the, the new administration and each of our senators are going to come in. They're going to have their own proposals and own thoughts and ideas. But r- really what we're going to have to show them, I think, is a business case for why um, – Making an investment in some of these wish list items that that we have, like a convention center, like an East Beltway, mm-hmm. uh, Water 2.0, uh, why all of these things are going to be important for keeping one of the main economic engines of the state moving, which is going to make everybody healthier and stronger mm-hmm. in the long run. But you, since you mentioned it, Jason, Bruce, I mean, how soon can you start talking about East Beltway type stuff and and those sorts of things? I know, I know how long the South Beltway took. Yeah, um, and then Caleb ruined it, but. Uh, you know, until <laughs> well, you can start talking about it right now. Actually, you know, I started uh, when I started with the lead, or with the chamber uh, over twenty years ago. That was one of my first assignments to actually go in and uh, talk about the South Beltway corridor. But also at the same time, we selected an East Beltway corridor to protect. So mm-hmm. we've done that over the last fifteen years. Now we have to continue to talk about, hey, this needs to get done. Right, it, it's going to be important for our future. Right. Um, and, and Jason, let me ask you too on, on on the convention center, and if that does end up being something that perhaps you get some help from the state on, and and of course there's public private, mm-hmm. I'm sure partnerships that go along mm-hmm. with that too. I'm, I'm I'm curious how you're thinking on this convention center is kind of developed as. I know there have been studies done. I know there, you know, this was something that was thought about initially with the arena. Now it's been brought back. What are your What are your kind of thoughts, Jason, on on the need and the role that that is going to could potentially fill in the city? Lincoln. Well, we we feel very confident based on the phase one study that we did through uh, then the CVB now visit Lincoln uh, and our partners at Downtown Rotary 14 and um, uh, Downtown Lincoln uh, Association. Um, you know, we feel very confident there is a true business case to be had uh, for putting an asset like that there. 
um, a lot of people will ask, well, gosh, uh, you know, if, if we don't have uh, as many, say, flights at our airport as we mm-hmm. wish we had right now, uh, can a convention center be successful? Absolutely, yes. That study vets that out. Um, we have based that on what drive-in traffic will be, and then other opportunities are going to be over and above that. Um, it's it's definitely got to be one of our economic growth priorities and consensus uh, community agenda items uh, moving forward. I think in the in the community for the next uh, you know three to five years. I hope five years from now we're able to celebrate having having that open. But right. timelines and costs are still being uh, worked out. And we're and Jack, I just for folks that are listening, I want people to know we're being really deliberative. We're not we're not walking into the legislature with a uh, request for an open checkbook. We're not uh, looking to agencies locally here to provide us just a blank check to mm-hmm. to start doing things. We really want to make it in a well informed targeted decision about how large a facility might need to be, where it's best located, and, and, and how we proceed. Bruce Boyer, Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Bruce, let, let, kind of turning to a little bit of another issue, tax policy obviously is one that has dominated, you know, at, at least on the property tax end of it seems like it's dominated, but of course you've got business, you've got corporate tax, you've got income tax, you've got all of those things. How, I guess from your perspective, how important is is the state being competitiveness with tax being competitive with tax policy? How important is that from a chamber perspective? And then I guess how are we doing? How far do we still have to go to get to a place that you think would be ideal? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and uh, it is something that we find very important. It's always been part of our plank. Uh, we adopt a, a annual agenda, kind of planks of issues that you. I kind of like to call them bread and butter chamber issues, but tax competitiveness is one of them. We have made great stri- we have made great strides under Governor Ricketts, uh, and we've got legislation that was passed by the legislature last year that kind of phases in over four to five years a, 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 a decrease in our income, corporate income taxes, and uh, individual income taxes. Uh, the target now is to go from six point eight four, which is high in the region. Uh, to 5.84, I, I know that there are going to be proposals. That the Again, the incoming governor, Pillen, has signaled that he wants to continue that. And you're right. We put a lot of money por- towards property taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, governor Ricketts and the legislators uh, are all to be commend- compen- commended for what they've done for tax competitiveness for this state. And I know we're going to continue to do that, too. I, I, I'm sure there's going to be part of that. You know, the money we talked about earlier, that big cash reserve fund that we've got, I, I think part of that will definitely be on uh, you know, the offering for a write-down, uh, a more aggressive write-down mm-hmm. or even acceleration of those uh, and continue income to, tax cuts. continue to be more competitive with yeah, the, with yeah. the And we really states. have to because if you look, and I'm sure you're aware of this too, in the region, uh, Iowa, Iowa I saw what has, they did last year. Yeah, has just gotten so aggressive, and we've always had Colorado with a flat tax just to the west, mm-hmm. and just in the region, we've always kind of stood out a little bit. And of course, there's no income taxes up up to the north, so uh, I, I'm really pleased to see the, the the legislature and the executive branch leadership over the last several years has really taken that very seriously. But it's you know it's always a balance too because right. we do have 
the the needs that we talked about earlier about transportation and uh, infrastructure needs. Um, Bruce and Jason, I guess one of the things I want to also make sure we get to too is Jason and we have talked a lot this year about the workforce here and and the need for the you know the need for employees and 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 there were some times this year where it was like every single place you could think of yeah. had a help wanted sign uh, up and I think that's probably mitigated a little but I don't know how much and and obviously there's other economy issues that are going around. But Bruce, are there you know are there things? How much is that part of the discussion and the thoughts oh. of this session? And and what can you do? What do you do? Yeah, uh, different ideas. Uh, you heard over the last several years, you know, often a refrain of what what's the number one priority for business? It's workforce number one, workforce number two, workforce mm-hmm. number three. So talent retention and recruitment. Uh, you put together programs like we we pushed last year with the state chamber for apprenticeships, uh, uh, for internships. Uh, and so that some of that money, the ARPA money, is going to go towards that. They haven't quite ruled that all the way out. Uh, the University of Nebraska and all of our school systems, uh, post-secondary schools in Nebraska, are uh, key factors in attracting people. Uh, young people to the state to study to get their skills up and we got to we got to find a way to hang on to them uh, so those are some ideas yeah. jack, and jack i think part of what you're going to see in this session is nebraska's really gotten serious about an understanding that a workforce development uh programming component isn't just limited to say things like post-secondary education programs or other skills training Mm -hmm. uh those are important those will continue to be important Mm -hmm. uh but there's also this it's it's ancillary to maybe the direct workforce things that we're used to thinking about so it's programs to support workforce housing make Mm -hmm. that more affordable and accessible to people in, in in more ways um other services and amenities and here i'm particularly thinking about uh, new Americans or immigrants uh, coming to the country uh, that need additional services or just additional help and resource to get settled and find a job and be able to mm-hmm. get to the job through, say, public transportation systems. So so the workforce picture, I think, is a we're taking a more um, expanded look at how we can influence that in many different small ways. There's not going to be one big solution that's going to come out of this, I think, at any point in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah. Uh, something to add to that, Bruce? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say we're part of a uh, immigration reform mm. coalition. That I mean, I know most of that is federal, but also some of that it kind of uh, overflows into some state issues that Jason was just talking about, just about attracting people, being uh, welcoming to uh, a diverse workforce. Right. Too. That's that's important well, for us. You know, it's in, I mean, the, obviously the immigration, you, know, you guys don't need me to tell you, is immigration is a hot-button, right. emotional political topic, but it's not discussed a lot, it doesn't seem like, at least from, you know, in terms of impact on workforce. I mean, sometimes, it, I think in the past it was looked as a negative impact on workforce, but I don't know that that's the case anymore in, in a lot of situations. How do you sort of meld those two policy issues together when you, you talk and think about them? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is a great question, too. And it is a lightning rod issue. You need to have people of goodwill that are willing to get together and really find some compromise. Uh, mm-hmm. And so far, you know, it's it's been a long time since that's happened. But uh with the state chamber and a, a pretty broad-based uh, coalition on this, I, 
you know, I, I, we're going to beat the drum on that. It, hmm. It's going to be a very concerted effort for the Chambers of Commerce, not just us, but state chamber, Omaha chamber, and chambers and economic development groups across the state. Interesting. Could yeah. be a significant impact on workforce. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm out of time. Bruce, Jason, great discussion. Uh, Bruce, come on back sometime. Yeah, we'll get an update maybe during the during the session. And uh, and uh, appreciate it. Good to yeah. see you guys. Yeah, Thanks. great to see you. There you go. Uh, Bruce Boyer and, uh, and Jason Ball from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. 826, we'll take a break. we got sports coming up next on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. Meteorologist Malcolm Byron. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. All right, it is 835 and welcome back. LNK today with Jack and Friends and our Tuesday guest, Mr. John Baylor, among other things, the voice of Husker Volleyball. JB, good morning. Happy New Year. How you doing? HNY and friends. I am under that umbrella yes. term. Yes, it's, like it's a large group, but you're one of the you're one of the many many people uh, who are under that umbrella. So congratulations. Along uh, for, with the crowds at health clubs, this is the year. This is <laughs> the year everybody gets chiseled. Yeah. This is the year. This is it. Are like, where? Where are all the customers? Right. Yeah. They're. Uh, yeah. It is. Uh, it is definitely, definitely going to be a busy day at the uh, at the almost as oh. bad as the uh, almost as bad as uh, the, every store in Lincoln was yesterday. Yesterday may have been the worst day to go. I mean, get your Black Friday out of there. Get your day before Thanksgiving at the grocery store out of there. I've never seen anything uh, yesterday at Lincoln and retail centers. Busy. I don't know what everyone, it was. Everyone was returning everything. Like okay. I yeah. got this for Christmas, and I'm not happy. Yes. Please take it back. I like the cash more than the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that was part of it. I think that was part of it. Hey, uh, real quick on a, on, a, on, a, on a bit of a serious note here, I was, I was uh, watching, watching that um, football game in the aftermath, that terrible situation uh, last night, and, and not, not to compare them as the same situations, but as the announcers were kind of trying to figure out what to do and what to say in a terrible situation i i sort of thought back to listening to um to to the volleyball game you did against northwestern when you had what looked like could be a very serious injury and i couldn't because that was the last time something like that had had happened and, and you didn't know what was going on then either and and again i'm not saying they're the same thing by any means but couldn't help but but think about that and what a and and just seeing the teammates react like they were i think that was something that you saw in that situation too i did and that was a scary moment the true freshman setter of northwestern just sprinted towards a an errant ball that had been shanked sideways and without seeing it ran full speed into the chair uh or uh, which was unoccupied and I, it looked like she made like full contact with her sternum area and the the armrest of the chair. It was a very very scary moment. They had to bring a stretcher out. I mean, players on both teams were were crying. It did not go on for thirty minutes, but it went on for a solid twenty minutes. And she uh, she was okay. She dressed for future matches and never played Good. again this this season. But it was. Uh, a very scary moment you know becca alec after that match uh, along with all of her teammates gathered on northwestern side of the net after they shook hands and becca led them all in prayer and i just thought wow that's a special freshman but that was a scary time yeah and and you know thought of that last night as you saw 
you know, the players on, on both teams gathering together. You had the fans, the, the road fans staying, staying in the building. Um, mm. it felt like, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's, it's odd, John. It's, you know, I don't, I didn't know who that player was. I wasn't, you know, following the Bills roster enough. And, and, and of course, you've got tragedy that, that happens all of the time. And, and I don't mean to minimize it, but it's mm. like when it happens like that on live TV in a sporting event. I don't know. It just hit for some reason. It just hit really different for me, uh, and it looks like it did for a lot of people yesterday. Well, the, I think so. There's a lot of a play there. I think it, football represents sort of the last example of a nationally shared event. Yeah, we. I mean, the Super Bowl is the the iconic moment when we're all together experiencing something. But there's no more like Dan Rather, CBS Evening News, or Walter Cronkite that we all talk about the next morning, because we're all living very different lives, largely in part because of the fractionalization of yeah. media. Well, the NFL on a Monday night is where everyone, where lots of folks, at least tens and tens of millions are gathered around the TV. So there's that. The second thing is it's escapism, right? That's what sports is. And that's what makes it so appealing. It lets us escape for a little while. Well, Suddenly, in the midst of a sporting event, you have a news story, and that's the last thing you want, right? You, you don't want sportscasters to suddenly get geopolitical in the middle of a broadcast. You you want them to stay focused on what is a wonderful escape for many of us. So, and, and lastly, he's young, you know, yeah. he's uh, a perfect health and football mm-hmm. player, and but it, it it reminds you of a lot of things. One thing it reminds us that it's a very violent sport. Uh, these young men put their bodies at risk, and these are high speed collisions and I'll, I'll respect anyone who plays uh, this sport uh, just for that courage. And anyone who walks off their final high school sport, most of us don't play in college, but you walk off your the field, the final game of high school football, especially if you played varsity, and you're in one piece and you don't feel anything, no pain, no lingering pain, Yeah, uh, that's a victory. That's, let's go uh, you know, head out to celebrate with Grandma at uh, your favorite restaurant, yeah. uh, maybe even Applebee's. Especially if you played in, you know, previous eras where the some of the safety things weren't quite the same as they are now. Uh, True. But, yeah. But even even when that happens, yeah, it's it's a, got a bad uh, bad reminder of that last night. Um, all right. Uh, let, let's move on. Awkward transition. But I, I do want to ask you, I don't think know that we've talked to you since uh, Nebraska Volleyball added um, a new outside, uh, Merritt Beeson in the transfer portal um, from Florida. What, uh, what can you tell us about this uh, – acquisition, so to speak, uh, who she is and, and what that kind of says about the roster going forward. She can pass. She can pass the rock. So she can play all six rotations, and historically she's played on the right side. So now the question becomes who's going to stick around and who's going to be here uh, because, you know, we've got a, not a log jam on the right side. We've got Whitney Lonstein, who early in the season showed all-American type potential. And, and you know, Hayden Kubik is primarily a left sider, but she could conceivably play over there, and Maggie Mendelson could play on the right side. So you, you've already have plenty of talent uh, that can conceivably play that side. But one thing that we're, is not clear at this point is how well they can pass. And if we go back to a one-setter offense, we're going to want at least one of those outsides, at least one, to play all the way around. Is it going to be Lindsey Krause who's probably going to move to the left? Is it going to be Allie Batenhorst who's probably going to move to the left? Is going to be Whitney Lonstein, who's probably going to stay on the right. Somebody has to reliably pass the volleyball, and they're going to get targeted just as much as Maddie Kubik did this year. Hmm. And as passing goes, so go the Huskers. So I think this is at least very strong insurance in the event none of those other great Huskers 
are able to become reliable pastors, we've got one now. Well, yeah, a, a, a particularly interesting given that, you know, you didn't have the subs that you needed, the the substitutions left at the end of that Oregon match, and it's kind of a what-if situation. If you had more people playing all around, more players playing all around, you wouldn't you wouldn't have been in that True. situation, right? True, and with a one-setter, you rarely run up subs. I mean, you got to yeah. go into the, the, the 30s to run out of subs yeah. if you're playing True. one setter. It's all those double switches that that mess you up if you go to a two-point game and it goes overtime, and that's what happened in the Oregon match. So, so what I'm hearing you say is that there's still a lot to be determined about what this roster is going to look like. Does that predominantly happen likely in, in the coming weeks still? Does that happen after spring? Is it a, a combination? How does this thing kind of shake out uh, in terms of who who's out, who's in, and what's next? Well, there's a rumor that UNL is going to start their second semester pretty soon, and that's yes. kind of a bellwether. That will tell you who's signed up, Who's going to be here? Who's going to stay? Uh, and so they've probably got about 10 more days to decide. And uh, this, is, this is unprecedented, this, uh, this portal. But this is the way the game is played now. you got to manage your own roster. you got to keep your own kids happy. And, uh, and then you got to sh- shop around. But only about 40% of the kids who, may, who go into the portal ultimately land somewhere else. So, I mean, but for now, though, it's, just, it's all green pastures and, and candy jars and everybody's jumping in the portal. But I think stories are going to come out that, eh, you don't want to necessarily give up that full scholarship. I'll I'll tell you, the parents of college kids, if you got a full scholarship, I didn't say full tuition. I said full scholarship. Just think twice before hopping in that portal because your former college has no responsibility to take you back. Mm. No obligation. Wow. Yeah, and then like you said, you uh, you can't find a landing spot, and 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 you're oh. out that, which is tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, huge. Mm-hmm. I think some of the elite athletes don't necessarily get a full view of the real world, and good for them. I don't want a full view of the real world sometimes. <laughs> so I'm all jealous too, but uh, just because you're not playing a lot uh, isn't the only thing to consider. You might want to chat with mom and dad. And make sure it's cool to sort of forego thirty to eighty-five grand per year. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, as an aside, by the way, how about Maggie Mendelson stepping in, uh, just you know, flipping up sports in the middle of the season and becoming an immediate contributor in a second sport? It's got to be incredibly difficult. I can't even imagine how hard that is. Yet, first game she's in, she's blocking shots, she's getting big rebounds, she's a, a key player already on that basketball team. Now, it helps that she's 6'5". It does. So I want to commend Coach Cook and Coach Williams for really coaching up her height. Because yeah. that has really helped. Yeah. That's been part of the secret. But, yeah, it's rugged. I mean, she could be the first, from my knowledge, that has been successful in both sports. A lot of tries. Very little success at both sports. A lot of success at one, but not a lot of success what, uh, Sa- Pilikowski, Sapero, right? Both did? Am I right about yeah, but- that? No great success. I mean, nothing even close to all conference, right? Uh, so, but they you yeah. know they played, they contributed. They, I think they started a few times. They're they're, they're probably the names that did the best. Yeah, uh, those two right there. It's but, a, it's an interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think even in Nebraska's history, who your great you know your best. You got a bunch of track guys signing up for football right now. Maybe that's where it'll come from. But Chuck the. The Chuck Molito was the great two-sport athlete in the late 70s. Football split at it, and then he went down to the track and started beating everyone else up in the Big 8. 
We need more Chuck Melitos. You're getting them. That's what Matt Rule's bringing in. He's uh, huh? th- there's got to be nobody happier the, with the Matt Rule signing than the uh, track coaching staff over there because he's bringing sprinters in from all from you know bringing a guy in from Omaha that probably wasn't ever going to think about doing track at Nebraska, but now he can play football and and he's going to do both, uh, which is let's, which is let's, impressive. Let's Ronaldo Nehemiah the whole program. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and then there's the men's the men's basketball football crossovers. You know Matt Davison. He had a little he had a little cup of coffee on the basketball team. Wilson Thomas. People probably forget the name Keith Newbert. That was a little football basketball crossover. We've had a few of those, but I think same situation. Is Eric Strickland going to play football? Is that question still out there? Oh, uh, that, that would have been. He might have been able to. Oh, back in the in, day. In that era, we didn't need him. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? <laughs> Whatever sport you want to play, get in there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I was uh, I was curious. Your I, I'm I'm sending my uh, my kids back to school here at LPS tomorrow, and uh, my uh, my son and many many other high school students are going into their uh, their finals now, starting out second semester. Thanks to the weather that canceled school first semester. But they can't uh, they can't hurt themselves in terms of the grade. They can only help themselves in terms of the uh, in terms of the grades. Okay. Uh, you ever seen that before? <laughs> Never. Okay. I don't know. I, just, I hope they're going to be okay again when they enter the real world. Because you know, actually, when you perform, there is a chance for it not to go well. But maybe they'll learn that later. But uh, the, the weather was rugged and. Kids were thinking about gingerbread stuff and everything. You know, they had to get to join the crowd. Where was everybody? The malls and wander about and start firing up their credit cards, then return everything. I mean, there's a lot on their mind. So you can't complicate things with a little bit of X's and O's, a little bit of little homework. But I, uh, I wish there was a little bit on the line uh, for them at this juncture. In my day, we used to have finals after. We did, too. Everyone disagrees with me, but I loved it because I got caught up. Yeah, it was like uh, the second we did it when I was in LPS just, you know, just a few short years ago. Uh, they timed it out. So the semester actually ended like January 15th or something. like. And then we had a semester break uh, in January. Here's a good way to lose in your bid to be on the school board. Shorten Christmas break. <laughs> Shorten Christmas. It's too long. The kids should have been back. I mean, I know the teachers need the extra day and stuff, but it's a, it's a long break. I think summer's too long. Now, what you do is you more strategically use these days. We could have used uh, yet today, I think, more tactically in the calendar in like five weeks when the teachers desperately need a long weekend. Uh. And if we took out one, maybe two weeks of the uh, huge summer break, and, and instead of making it 10 weeks, made it eight weeks, and then tactically insert those weeks off in the spring and in the fall, Jeez. It is. It's a teaching is a really tough job to do it right. In my opinion, is physically unsustainable. It's that rigorous. So, what can really help, in my opinion, is to give these lengthy breaks. One week, you know, with two uh, bracketed weekends, so you get nine days off in the fall and in the spring. Beyond what they already have, shorten the Christmas break by one or two days. Shorten the summer break by two weeks. And now, I think it's easier for teachers to sort of pace themselves. It's uh, for the sake of you know teachers seeing a little bit of light at the end of a tunnel. Give them a week off in the spring. Give them a week off Jeez. in the fall. JB making enemies all over the place. Step away from step away from telling the kids to go to school on Christmas. Basically, is what he's doing right now, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm trying to say is, 
one or two fewer days, I think, could have been better used for the day off a long weekend in mid-February or or mid-March. It's when you use them, not whether you use them. It it is interesting, though, because when something like this happens in a school district, and I'm sure things that this has happened other places in the country, too, or, or whatever, like your entire, like... Your entire composite GPA for everybody goes up, right? <laughs> like, uh, I wonder what the impact the impact of that. You know, it's, it makes it a little easier to send those uh, send things into colleges. Like Lincoln, Nebraska looks a little bit better than usual when it comes to GPA uh, in the twenty twenty two year. Average GPA should go up, but that makes it a little tricky if you're a head of a scholarship committee in college and everyone's got these sky high GPAs. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it was an unusual situation. I'm not throwing darts anywhere i mean it was it was a little chilly i mean the first day that well first day they uh, well honestly i mean to be honest they missed on the first day they did not need they did not need uh a it was an abundance of caution but they it turned out to be the wrong call the second day i wore two pairs of long johns i was yeah the second day was bad but uh you know i you got to make these these uh tough calls but yeah I, i think um when you make life very easy on young people. I'm not sure you're helping them. That and uh, by the way, how hard is it? You know, how hard is it to say GPAs? If you're, you know, if you're a college admissions person, and you're you're comparing somebody from you know Lincoln versus somebody in, in Dallas versus somebody in um, you know uh, Washington State. Uh, like, how can you even tell if GPAs are apples to apples from district you to district? You cannot. You cannot. Within the same district, you cannot. Sometimes within the same school, you cannot. We all remember easy graders and tough graders, even within the same school. It's a, mm-hmm. The idea that grade point averages are a universal metric uh, and, and easily understandable is, you know, is mythology. Um, now, they're an indicator. They're a very important indicator. They're an indicator of sustained effort. And you know what? That's big. Yeah. That is huge because success usually requires, almost always requires, sustained effort, non-quitters. Those are the ones who get ahead. Yeah. At this stage of my life, I look over the horizon. I see, hey, the people who are doing pretty well are those who've had self-discipline over and over and over again. They get up early. They work hard. They pay their taxes. They raise their family. They're disciplined. And that's uh, an indicator is the grade point average. Because you can't just be great on a Saturday morning when you take an ACT. you got to be great over time. So mm-hmm. it's an absolute indicator. But is there any way to compare a 3.7 at Lincoln East with a 3.7 at Dorsey High School in South Central L.A.? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, and now you got weighted grades that are added into it, too, and, and oh, uh, all kinds point. of stuff. Uh, weighted, unweighted. Ah. I would have had a four, I would have had a I would have been a four zero student had I had those weighted grades. Where were those in nineteen ninety six? I remember in the late nineties being told by a student, "Oh boy, I only have a three point eight five GPA," and I'm like, uh, "That would have been by far the highest GPA at my school twelve years ago." So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, things have changed. Yep, there what did it David is. Bowie say? David Bowie said, "Changes." He did. So, uh, but you got you just kind of think through what is best for these kids. In my opinion, what's best for young people is what gives them the greatest likelihood they're either going to graduate from four-year college, minimal debt, graduate from a two-year college on time, minimal debt, get certified in a trade, or get enlisted in the military. Those four outcomes dramatically improve their life chances. So when you have that prism, when you have that context, you get to judge each of these educational policies in that context rather than everything being a one-off. So Mm. when you just look at whether the exam policy for LPS after it was a horrible, frigid, cold bomb makes sense or not. It's just a one-off unless you've got some sort of context within which you can think it through. So 
Um, you know, this uh, exam uh, situation at LPS, is it going to dramatically or even infinitesimally affect Billy's likelihood of getting a four-year degree on time, minimal debt, two-year degree, certified in a trade, or uh, enlisted in the military? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good stuff today all over the place from uh, JB. Uh, appreciate it. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll check in again here uh, next Tuesday. All right. I like these Ottoman Empire conversations hey. all over the map. We got more of them coming this year. That's what we do in the off season. I'm part of and friends. <laughs> you tell everybody that today. Congratulations. Yes. Top of my resume. <laughs> John Baylor. Thanks, JP. Uh, there you go. What's the big red volleyball team and more and friend John Baylor. All right. Save it to five. We'll wrap up the show for this on KLIN. I like the local news because it doesn't get into all these politics. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. I'm meteorologist Malcolm Byron. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we should probably mention uh, programming note. We got early Husker basketball tonight. Huskers are in East Lansing to take on Michigan State, and that's a 6 central tip. That means no drive down Lincoln tonight. With that 5 o'clock pregame. 5 o'clock pregame. And by the way, we didn't even, we went the whole show, talked about a lot of things, obviously very busy coming back, but we didn't even ever give, I didn't at least give one shout out to Nebraska basketball for making my trip to Iowa even better <laughs> than it could have been by oh, just man. going wire to wire and decimating the Hawkeyes. Wow. They made hey. one basket in the final 12 minutes so and still beat them by 16. It was so <laughs> wonderful. I'm so sad we didn't have a show around that. I never got I got to go uh, for the first time, I think, ever to my in-laws' house coming off both a Nebraska football and a men's Nebraska bo- basketball win. Mm-hmm. Had bragging rights in both of those sports. Somebody figured it out. The, the last time that that happened was for like two weeks in 2013. Yeah, right right at the end. And then right then that went away. After and then Iowa weeks. won the, the so, rematch. So there you go. Basketball tonight. And then uh, we are back here tomorrow morning. Got a busy show. Tomorrow it's a Awful. what chaps you had Wednesday for the first time? Uh, of 2023, so we look forward to hearing what's chapping your hide already this year. Will be former U.S. Senator Ben Sass will join us at 810 tomorrow. Uh, always uh, non-Senator John Bishop also also joins us tomorrow at 835. Forever non-Senator. So that's, that's what we've got. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock on KLI and Lincoln.